2: Welcome to It's Become a Whole Thing, a podcast that takes a highbrow look at the lowbrow trash we love. I'm your host Emily Rose and each week we'll tap into the cultural zeitgeist by looking at the best and worst moments of TV history. Because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and we're here to recap the best and worst moments in TV history. How are you, my sweet little trolls? How are you doing? What are you up to? I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you've stopped and appreciated something about yourself today. If you haven't yet, now's a good time. What are you waiting for? There's a lot of good things to appreciate, but I want you to at least just find one and give yourself a little pat on the back uh because in case no one's told you this recently you're doing amazing sweetie in the wise words of chris jenner today we're gonna be talking teen mom teen mom was originally a suggestion in the discord chat um You know, it's our little Patreon chat and one of the channels is episode suggestions. Um, But it took some good figuring to determine how to address the absolute whiplash of the show. The cutesy music mixed in with the scenes that would never be allowed to be aired currently on a reality show. It's such serious subject matter that was packaged and presented to us in such a fun, almost Disney Channel-esque way. But at the same time, somewhat... Patronizing and mocking to the people that were on it. We wanted to approach this with respect to all of those elements. That said, this episode is a uh, yeah, content warning, heavy topics, domestic violence, drug abuse, like just content warning for all the things. Next week, we have a very different episode planned. We have a very fun episode with jared lipscomb who if you don't know him he's a celebrity makeup artist he's one of the leaders of the free britney movement a leukemia survivor here to spill some vanderpump rules tea uh respectfully since the cast members are his besties so you know we'll keep it classy here as we do sometimes and man we'll get some dirt so that ball of sunshine it on our podcast next week and yeah so you know if you like this show Pass it along to a friend. Everyone knows someone who's a pop culture lover in denial. You know? You know that person in your life? They either, like, screwed away from the topic or they act like they disregard it, but then they light up when it comes up in conversation. And then at some point, after a while of knowing them, you find out that they know way more about this stuff than you had realized. Send this to them. Tell them it's it's analyzing, Uh, you know, what these shows say about us as a society, uh give them some spiel about the intellectual side of it which is you know there there's some truth to that but send it to them hit the podcast with a little five-star review it really helps a lot what other shameless thirsty self promo yeah i've got my book coming out uh i've got the pre-order link in the episode description it's your companion to your gratitude journal you know the gratitude journal is the angel on your shoulder and this is the devil you won't be judged you can just let out all of your frustrations into this little book that i've created that's about it we're as always on the patreon every week every week we're putting out a new episode and that's about it without further ado let's get into today's episode welcome back we're here with sammy p on a show where we say whatever the fuck we want we don't care what anyone thinks that's right we're unhinged and unplugged yeah uncensored actually we deeply care what people think sometimes too much so um and we as much as we are chaotic people we actually pretty carefully think out how we're gonna phrase things
3: hmm yeah i mean we are human
2: we're human at the end of the day (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Once again, breaking the fourth wall with podcasting. Like, we are just regular people.
3: Yeah. I don't know if I actually am as, like, careful as you are from that little um, preamble. I'm like, I don't know if I deeply care. I don't know if I deeply think.
2: <laughs> I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am saying things in a way where I'm sharing my thoughts, but in a way that it's
3: not pushing people away and Okay. Yeah, we we always try not to leave people sick, offended, shaking with rage. That's definitely...
2: Yeah. Other than cishet straight white men. The, oh, other yeah. Than that. For everyone else, we are trying to, like, bring a level of respect. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. Why am I qualifying I don't myself know, today? But... I'm feeling very strange.
3: Yeah, we're in a weird mood. And, like, it's, it's, it's touchy subjects we're going to be covering today. So I think it's fair to just start this out with, like... Blanket, like empathy, we care about people. We're gonna be talking about a lot of heavy themes in this episode, like domestic violence for sure, teen pregnancy, poverty, mental health. This show touches yeah. on everything.
2: Yeah, we cover a lot of different shows and documentaries over here, but like everything we're trying to tie into what it says about us as a culture at the time and just the bigger context for everything. And the show we're talking about today is Teen Mom, which there is so much to say about the context. There's so much to say about how this was presented to us. Um, it's a weighty topic, and we wanna we wanna give it its respect. We're gonna do our best, and I think we're both pretty well versed in this, though, because there's a lot like we have a long history with the show, and just like all the goings on, the the context, the the recession that gave birth to uh, oh oh, okay (laughs) why am I why did you say give birth (laughs) uh, yeah I'm 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 such a baby it's been windy for the last two days Sid is scared of wind and doesn't let me sleep all night so I'm running on an hour sleep and I'm unwell gosh that's so that's so cute and sad Our, our friend's toddler is also scared of wind well yeah dogs and babies i guess Uh, i don't know i was i was mad at him this morning but i was like it's not his fault he doesn't want to be sad and scared so doing my best we all are and
3: honestly i think you're in a better place than anyone to empathize with the exhausted mothers of this show because running on little sleep can bring out the worst in everyone
2: oh my god i can't even i can empathize with them but i can't even begin to say that i understand what they're going through no of course not because re watching this, I think the last time that I watched Teen Mom OG was when it aired. Yeah. When when I was a teenager as well. And and it just didn't seem that out of the ordinary. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, look at these like look at these babies having I babies.
3: I know. We were their age essentially. Like maybe one year older or something like that. Yeah. But but it aired when we were their peers. So I definitely look at it a lot differently watching it now back now as an adult. And it's interesting how this remains one of MTV's, like, tentpole franchises. And they still have it going. They've got many, many spinoffs at this point. There's, um, like, a family reunion-style show that they do. They do various, like, uh, therapy-related shows with these people. They've got Teen Mom 2. They've got Teen Mom UK. They've got, like, all it's, kinds. It's an
2: empire like The Bachelor.
3: Basically. Yes, it is. it really is. and it's it's like Jersey Shore coming back with family reunion when they they took a break because of legal issues in the cast and then they brought them back and now they they deal with them as adults on whatever it's called. Um, and it it is so interesting because we know them, we've known them our whole lives. We're and I'm and I'm still even though I don't watch those shows anymore i don't keep up with them i keep up with them on tiktok like in smaller bites because i do still care like my ears do still perk up when i hear caitlyn and tyler i'm like oh what what is it like i want to know yeah same no i i deeply care like i i care about them i worry
2: about them yeah um and it's so interesting when you have this show that I, I don't think they imagined that it would take off the, the way that it did. I mean, no one can anticipate something like that for a reality show when it becomes like this level of a juggernaut. But it's like, it's strange when it's built around this premise, a very specific premise. Like, they're teenagers, they're pregnant, they're all financially, they're like all living in basically levels of either poverty or just humble means. Some of them
3: are maybe lower middle class would you say i'd say some of them are comfortable i'd say half are comfortable middle class for where they live where the houses probably aren't that expensive and you can kind of get by on not that much and um and then half are deeply deeply impoverished
2: yeah yeah so it's the show is based around that premise and now all of them have these massive platforms they're all essentially household names and have this wealth from
3: the show, which it's like a a gift and a curse. Well, they have fame, that's for sure. I don't think any of them have wealth. Some of them have a little bit of money, but even when I hear about them having buying a house, it's like a four hundred thousand dollar house, like that. And it's like you know, they're yeah. still living as like some of them have gone from deep in poverty to middle class, maybe. But they're, I bet they're still supporting like so many extended members of their family. Like they don't know how to save money, probably maybe, like nobody is like gotten all their money problems taken care of from being on the show. I don't think
2: no, that's true, that's true. I mean, and they had to they had to grow up so fast and just deal with putting up fires basically so i, I they they get a pass for so many things because they're just they're trying to learn also with like the whole nation the world watching them too, all this pressure um i want to get into the show but i want to first talk about where we were when this episode aired so we're going to be talking about teen mom og season two episode 10 and it aired september 28th 2010 pop culture news of that week Um, We had the VMAs where Lady Gaga wore the meat dress. Um, The New York Times ran a story about how the ads you see on YouTube are actually going to make the company some money, much to their surprise. Um, And Rihanna released her first single off the album Loud, um, which was Only Girl in the World. And I just, I wanted to mark that moment in history because that, it's just like You know, when people look back fondly on the past, I'm usually like, look, let's keep it moving forward. But with this, I'm like, I will look fondly on the time when we could have expected new music from Rihanna. But, you know,
3: yeah, those those
2: simple days have passed. Um, The the Billboard hits were number one, Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Kind of a little sad that she never reached those heights again. That was her peak, unfortunately. Uh, teenage dream love the way you lie by eminem and rihanna just the way you are by bruno mars terrorizing us through so many decades and dj got us fallen in love by usher and featuring pitbull
3: this was it, like just hearing those like churned my stomach because i was working at a pita pit at this time <laughs> Slanging and pitas and listening to top 40 all day every day can you and, smell pitas? Like, oh, yeah, I can like it like took me right back there. And that was tough. Um, I was broke as fuck. I was trying to like save money and go to college and like get away from my parents. And like this was all just hitting me so hard. Teen mom was hitting like this, like shaped me like I can't even explain how much watching them make mistakes changed the course of my whole life really yeah elaborate on that i will when we get when we get into it i think well like i mean let's get into it because
2: my next question is what is your relationship
3: to the show i mean i watched 16 and pregnant i watched all those shows true life i'm addicted to molly true life i love tanning like i i watched them all and it birthed many stars like the and 16 and pregnant just happened to have four stars in the making which they then gave this show to and I was like oh of course I remember all those girls I'm gonna follow them for sure and I was uh I was like an avid watcher of the first few seasons and I I would cry with them I would relate to them I would like learn from their mistakes like I was at the time I had graduated high school I had a boyfriend I had moved in with and then that was like fuck that was sobering because It was, like, a really impoverished place we were living. It was dangerous. It was scary. I was like, you know what? I actually have to go to college. And, like, part of that was watching these girls be like, I have to graduate high school. Like, I can't have this life of, like, struggling and working minimum wage jobs for my entire life. And, like, that seemed like that was the path I was on. And I only, the only thing I could think of at the time to set me on a different path was going to college. Not to say there's not a million other things, but at the time I was like, I... I don't know what else to do, and I need to get myself out of this situation. So yeah, I.
2: That's and, that's so interesting because when people were talking about how this show is immoral, be, like people were like, you know, you're exploiting these these girls and you're putting them on TV. This is terrible. MTV would be like, no, this is like a positive message. This is like teaching people about the dangers and the warning signs. Like it's basically one big
3: PSA. But for you, it actually worked like that. Well. Did you know about the um, the studies that linked this show specifically to teen birth rates going down seventy seven percent in America? What? Yeah, like th- this show was <gasps> extremely impactful. Um, Like that was like a trend over the course of like many years. It wasn't just because of this, but like when you see the chart in 2009 or whatever, when it premiered, like there is a plummet, like people were like, it's so different to conceptualize things like it would be hard for me to go to school and have a kid. But when you see them holding their baby on their lap, using a computer in the library while their baby screams, trying to do schoolwork, that is a completely different thing. When you see yeah. someone struggling to put a sheet on their baby's bed cuz they can't afford it, that is a completely different thing than imagining how you would take care of a baby if you if you got pregnant when you were young and poor. Yeah,
2: when you see them like screaming at the baby yeah. and like you feel bad for the baby, but you feel bad for like the the mom, the, the mom and yeah. and then they're like and then they're like I can't focus in school and it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, yeah. it it really It's very, very visceral. It's very raw. And this show was a response to people wanting reality TV to be, quote unquote, more real. You know, we're like, it was around this time, too, where The Real Housewives started being, like, started airing, which was a a very different type of show. But it was like, it was like, okay, no, we we don't want this, like, The Hills type of scripted, sanitized. We want, like, real, raw, in your face.
3: Yeah. It was the same time as Jersey Shore. It was like, we've done... Laguna Beach and the hills, and now we're going to do the opposite. We're going to show people that are a completely different socioeconomic class. We're going to look at people that are, like, everyday people that are not polished, that are not scripted. Like, we're really going to give people something here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like coming out of this, like, major, like, coming out of this major recession, people, I guess, we're wanting, l- like, either end of the extremes like total glitz and glam like unattainable
3: wealth or like this kind of thing but even with the wealth shows people no longer want the fakeness of the hills people want like i want to watch housewives and see how their lives are falling apart even though they have this like wealth and glamour that is aspirational or whatever that i could never have i still want to see them like yeah with the same struggles that everyone has in life
2: yeah yeah totally um i mean this show wasn't quite as life-changing for me but i definitely i remember watching it on tv in my basement <laughs> um like you know what reading the schedule watching it every week um and i have watched the girls on most of the shows they've done since so um farah and her mom did a show at one point about like dysfunctional celebrity mothers and daughters um, that's right c- up your alley <laughs> oh yeah oh my god just the worst the worst um celebrity <laughs> celebrity couples therapy um there were seasons with both amber and farah um one where farah was there alone i watched both of those so i've i've
3: kept up did you see caitlin and tyler when they were on
2: oh no i i guess i i didn't see every season okay i was just checking i'm
3: not i'm not mad at you i was just checking (laughs) because i was curious um their dynamic is always so interesting and mysterious to me so when we cover this i think we're gonna go mom by mom yeah because otherwise it's just too like the whole series is intercut like you just get short little scenes of each mom all intercut so it'd be too chaotic to cover it that way I think so we
2: usually go through it chronologically but got these whimsical little clips it's it came out also around the same time that Juno came out and it kind of feels like they're trying to create the show version of Juno oh yeah like- where it's like cutesy, everything is cutesy, the music is super cutesy, the graphics, there's little cartoons between every scene. With these shows, I keep thinking about like this how the soundtrack really makes it like you could have put the soundtrack to intervention to this show and it would have made sense.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, God, does it ever like and we'll we'll touch on some of the rampant uh, substance abuse in the cast in their family. When I was doing research for this, I came across this article called Welfare Queen Redux, Teen Mom Class and the Bad Mother, um, written by Amanda Klein for the East Carolina University. And it's so good. And it talks about how the stereotype of the bad mother or the welfare queen as Ronald Reagan started talking about this person in the 80s a lot. And like, of course, that has a lot of racial dog whistle implications to it this show chose to feature four white teen moms, um, perhaps and probably intentionally to... Oh, definitely, definitely intentionally. And it was alongside Dr.
2: Phil doing similar things. Like, it's like, it's okay when it's white people, like, quote unquote. Right. It's like, it's, it's entertaining and you can kind of like point and like laugh. It's like, okay to laugh at the trashiness. And then when it's like, anyone who's not white it's like it's like too real or it's just something that is meant to be this kind of vague thing that happens over there
3: yeah that's, and that's also, my analysis it, it's so it's it's such a complex thing but it's like these women were definitely made to be the like looked down upon on in the show like it, it's like especially amber Um, and later Farah, and sort of they're like sacrificed to the audience as like oh my god look at this horrible mother like look at this unfit mother and um, regardless their class is kind of at the end of the day the most important identity marker that makes them like okay to look down on I think.
2: I mean the show is inviting you to look down on them but also they want you to have empathy for them yeah they want you to feel bad for them and i think if it was women of color you would the public would not have this type of
3: sympathy true it's definitely like they were going for like marketability
2: yeah like you you wanna they wanted clearly for the audience to have a mix of like horror and also like rooting for them like rooting for their success
3: yeah yeah uh, absolutely it's and it's it's part of that same dialogue where they're like is MTV glamorizing teen pregnancy by giving them fame and they get these magazine covers and, and et cetera. But like, I don't think anyone who watched the show could think that it's glamorizing teen pregnancy. It, it is. It's certainly not. Um, it, it is. It is horrifying. I would agree with, with that choice of words, what we see happen on the show, the generational trauma patterns that we see repeating with um, Caitlyn's mom, April, what she puts Caitlin through, what Farah's mom, Deborah puts her through.
2: well let's let's talk let's talk about them i want to get into Caitlyn first because that's who we see first on the show okay. um yeah talk about generational cycles we have Caitlyn and tyler who they're each of their parents are now married to each other
3: yeah so what happened was caitlin and tyler started dating in sixth grade when they were 12 and Caitlyn's mom is in active addiction, she's verbally abusive at the very least. She's often too drunk or high to take Caitlin to school, so she misses a lot of school. She's constantly calling caitlin a bitch. All kinds of scary stuff. And then Tyler's dad, Butch, is also an abusive addict. He's also he's in and out of jail constantly. Um, and then April and Butch meet through their kids. And they get married and move in together, making Caitlin and Tyler step-siblings. Talk about yeah. dysfunctional as fuck.
2: Yeah, dysfunctional as fuck. And April, I mean, yeah, there's so much to be said for generational cycles, but April was a teen mom. And so Caitlin is trying to do the best thing for her daughter, give her up for adoption, this heartbreaking choice. And April, throughout the whole series, is berating her because she she sees it as like this she she sees it as a shitty move she's like putting herself in that position it's like an in- insult
3: to to her, her to her oh I, and we see that in this episode not about car not about giving carly up for adoption but when Caitlyn's like god i just want to graduate high school so bad i don't want to like be, feel like a loser and not graduate and then april's like oh thanks thanks bitch like you know she's like because she dropped out of high school and like she constantly projects on caitlin like and then when Caitlyn's. Whenever she like looks for sympathy or even is isn't even bringing it up. Like one time she after her mom screams at her and embarrasses her and tells her she looks like shit when she's trying on a prom dress. And then Caitlin's like, can you not like talk to me like that or something like that? April's like, don't tell me how to be a mom when you couldn't even be one yourself. Like to take an argument that's about just verbal abuse and throw something in her face that you know is going to like cut so deep and hurt so bad to do that to your own daughter what in the world like that breaks my heart
2: yeah uh, it's heartbreaking and at the same time caitlin and tyler from what we see on tv like they just seem to be very level-headed and just trucking along and processing their feelings from this whole thing as best they can and really being good kids
3: they are kind, sensitive people who put in so much work to healing, growth. They both have spent tens of thousands of hours in therapy, it sounds like. They've they like know all the words, like core trauma, and like they've actually really truly done the work. They both graduated high school. They've just done all the goals they wanted to. For themselves they had the, you know they've had three kids since then they're still married it's really impressive it really it really is
2: um but you know it just goes to show like it just because uh you're raised in this really tough environment um and with raised by pretty awful people like you can still turn out to be an amazing person
3: i know i and they've had so obviously so many cards stacked against them that we've mentioned and then also when they when they give their daughter up for adoption because they know they can't provide you know a good life for her at that time um they sign up for an open adoption and they make it very clear that they want to be in Carly's life forever and there are certain things that are laid out like very strict legal things like every year we'll get pictures every year we'll get a visit and um the adopted Adoptive parents don't hold up their end of the deal, and we see a lot of that drama follow them throughout their life. And they were kind of one of the first people to shine a light on how how coercive and opaque and fucked up the adoption industry can be.
2: My God, I know. I'm I've just been learning about that recently through TikTok, through all the through all the adoptees who are like, I'm against adoption, like basically unless the whole system gets reformed
3: yeah totally have, like I know. moms
2: trading babies on facebook yeah it's legal
3: yeah rehoming uh, children that they've adopted and um yeah people coercing families into giving up children for a short time or or having a certain agreement and then just going against that agreement because ultimately the adoptive parents take on every right like the birth parents don't reserve any rights and things can change and they have this shady adoption counselor, Dawn, who's like in and out of their lives and always like, kind of trying to just confuse them or confuse she's the like situation. Them. Yeah, she's like always like the in between person who's just kind of. And I wonder how much she made from from that adoption. Like, I wonder how much Brandon and Teresa paid for for Carly. Uh, wh- yeah, who knows? I mean, I think uh, it seems to be a
2: disturbingly lucrative business yeah we meet with them it's such a show of jarring contrast all the subject matter like when we first meet them like they're talking about talking about how their stepdad's in jail they're talking about how they're going to meet with the adoption agents um the adoption agency um and meanwhile like caitlin just has these little braces with those elastics yeah (laughs) attached and it just it's somehow just its like having like a sparkly pink retainer or something. It's just even more a step further into her seeming like a little kid. Well, and then yeah. they're going to meet with their guidance counselor to uh, just see what they want to do for their careers.
3: Yeah, and when they talk about um, kind of the big reveal for them in this episode is that they won't be graduating on time and they both need to put in an extra semester so they can't graduate with their friends and they're really disappointed. And we find out it's because... She was pregnant in grade nine and missed a lot of school in grade nine, um, obviously, because of that. And they both did. Dealing with the trauma of the adoption and everything. And it's just like, grade nine? God.
2: I know. And they're just, they're sitting on the bleachers. They go out to support their friends who are are graduating. And they go and and they're sitting there and and cheering them on. And they're talking about how that's going to be them someday. It just, it squeezes your heart. You know, they're so sweet. And I know look like eight years old
3: i know i know they actually do still look 12 and
2: like all the all the other teen moms look somewhat more mature i guess tyler looks like justin bieber when we first met him
3: yeah 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 caitlin says she wants to be an ultrasound tech and he said he wants to be a paramedic or maybe a psychologist and that makes so much sense for what we know of them they have essentially become like self-taught psychologists by the end of of their journey and I saw some recent clips. They're so evolved. It's wild how much they've learned. And like, they're so open to willing to be like, when you said that, it activated some trauma and core wounds in me. And it reminded me of this time. And I, I'm just trying to respect you and give you everything you need to do to heal and grow. And like, I would never hold you back. And like, it's just so sweet to see what they've become. And Caitlin doesn't become an ultrasound tech, but she is a permanent makeup tech. So, oh,
2: love that.
3: Yeah. She's a tech.
2: She's a tech. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she wow. I I'm wondering, like, do guidance counselors still exist like they used to when we went to school? Because career fields, like, I feel like they wouldn't even know what those are.
3: Yeah, well, they're talking to a college uh, advisor, and yes, they they do still exist to help students sort of narrow down and decide what would be the best courses to take if they're if they're entering.
2: But like we had a we could you could go when i was in high school to the guidance counselor and like do tests to see like what you should do for a job or they would give us tests
3: right um, yeah i would
2: get you get three and i would i got i would get psychologist family counselor marriage counselor
3: <laughs> right um yeah we didn't have a guidance counselor but we had a careers class and we did like those tests and stuff and i'm what sure were that's careers librarian um was one a journalist
2: well, we are journalists now, self-titled journalists. Yeah,
3: and you are a counselor, unofficial. So it, it all <laughs> turned out. I'm someone with
2: mental. I'm someone with mental health issues, um, which <laughs> is probably why I was getting that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not really helping anyone, but trying to help myself and doing sometimes an okay job at it.
3: Well, uh, you help yeah. me as well.
2: Oh, Sammy, you <laughs> help me too. Wow. <laughs> What a beautiful moment. Yeah. In the midst of this terrible mess of a show.
3: I really admire Caitlin's attitude and how she takes handles the disappointments we see her like have to take the impact of that in this episode of finding out she's not gonna graduate and then also getting her report card. <laughs> which, like, we've heard her be like, yeah, I'm expecting A's and B's, like, I do all my work, I'm feeling great, and then we see her report card, and it's, like, all D's, like, and that it's just, like, oh, she just has so much working against her, and, like, it seemed like she really, like, enjoys school and wanted to go to school and just had trouble actually getting there because of all these factors beyond her control, and I can't relate to that as someone who never wanted to go to school, but it's just, like, so hard to see someone who's, like, really wants to but is like oh my mom can't take me and stuff like that yeah
2: they're like bright bright bright-eyed and bushy-tailed
3: yeah yeah and they're optimistic they keep it they keep it moving
2: they they do um and i want to keep it moving on to basie uh who we check in with her by season two her and ryan are very much separated um they are trying to basically work out as much as they can outside of the court system They are working with the court system and with a mediator, but they are still at this point talking and trying to just work things out amongst them. Um, Ryan is showing the first signs of not really being around, which will be a theme that will be much more prominent later on. But At this point, she's just noticing that she moved to Nashville and he hasn't called them since. Um. She's got a a random boyfriend.
3: (laughs) He's not random. She was dating Kyle for a long time, but...
2: So I don't know. Yeah, he, he's not random. He's hes Kyle um, and we meet him as they're cooking together um, and they're making Ethiopian food. And she asks him, what even is an Ethiopian?
3: It's also the very first time she's ever attempted to cook rice in her life. Like she's like, you know, she's just a baby herself. Like, Yeah.
2: She... <laughs> well, like 16 is when most people like 16 to 20 is when people learn things like that generally like frying an egg and oh, making yeah. rice and things
3: like that. oh yeah i know it's just it's just these moments are just reminders that we're still dealing with a baby and macy is like she was a big role model for me when i was watching the show i wanted to be just like macy the way she never gets riled up she never loses her temper even when she is tested to be like like I cannot deal with someone like Ryan in my life I I could not I would be no yeah I didn't relate to her I was like I couldn't be as great of a mom as Macy I couldn't be as emotionally regulated as Macy I seems incredible and that's why like and Bentley as we see him growing up he seems
2: like an incredible kid
3: absolutely and a huge part of this is that Macy is Comes from the most stable family. Comes from a wealthy or upper middle class for the area family. Like, has everything that she needs. Doesn't really ever stress about paying for an apartment or getting Bentley what he needs. She has good parents as role models that also don't yell at her. Like, that all goes a long way. She says that Ryan can come see uh, Bentley anytime and he literally never picks up the phone once to call him after she moves away. Um, She says that she wants full custody, but she also wants Bentley to have a good relationship with his father and she says that she would like never try to get back at Ryan by blocking access to Bentley. And then finally she has to call him and be like I'm going to Chattanooga and can I drop off Bentley so he can see you? And he's like, alright. And then doesn't even recognize Ryan, it seems like. And yeah. she has to bring up mediation. She has to like set all the boundaries for that. And like and we're already seeing Ryan kind of doze off in a lot of se- like he's looking pretty sleepy. He's yawning a lot.
2: Yeah. Eventually and
3: re- remember that. We will be discussing it later on. Yeah, we're already seeing who he like the seeds. He's like still kind of a kid and not that bad at this point. Like, but we're seeing the seeds because He's not an active father. He's likely already using opioids. And he has this, like, really pretty girlfriend who we see playing with Bentley, not him. Like, you know, she's, she's the one putting his socks on and getting his toys lined up. And, like, that's just totally his pattern. But
2: guys like that always have a really pretty girlfriend. I know. You know? they Who's, I, like,
3: nice and, like, yeah, good with kids. I know. He's, like, he was, like, kind of cute when he was young. Ages horribly. But, like... Uh, that's all you need is to be like kind of cute and kind of tall it seems like
2: yeah and then later on he's not cute at all but he you know he's he stays <laughs> he stays coupled up
3: yes he apparently already has another girlfriend like it's oh, okay. craziness but yeah okay we'll put well, a pin we'll, in that yeah,
2: yeah put a pin in that yeah on to amber the opposite of macy no support just out there and it's like night and day like going from the scenes with macy to the scenes with amber like they're they're hard to watch she's not with gary at this point um and but they're living together uh because he has nowhere to go and said you know other if he wasn't living with her he'd be living in his van and when we first see her she's talking about how it's hard to focus in school and i'm just like ugh. but then you know then there's this whole dispute over sheets sheets on the bed on the baby bed Yeah.
3: When we when we see Amber filming with her friends, like she seems like a kind of normal girl, like she seems pretty regulated, like she has self-awareness, she's pretty chill, she hugs her friends, she loves her daughter, you know, like we get those glimpses of Amber being almost functional. And then, and then there's the part where she's not like, yes, they've broken up, but living together horrible situation for amber um she has seemingly no contact with her family she can't at this point ask her mother to babysit she can't ask her mother for 20 bucks like you know she doesn't have any support at all so and i don't think they're
2: making that much money off of the show yet
3: no i know and gary like at least his mom is like You could trust her to watch the baby for a few hours, but it seems like he has a problematic stepdad who says, like, Gary and this kid cannot move in with us. So it's like, damn, like, you'd rather have a baby be home, like, potentially homeless and, like, red flags there. But and then we see Amber mention she's the only thing she's really passionate about right now is Krav Maga. (laughs) Bit of dark foreshadowing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the Israeli military fighting method. I was yeah, like, we see okay, her. Okay, I haven't heard that one in a while.
3: <laughs> yeah, we see her like pretend to punch her friend, and then oop, later in the yeah. episode, we yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, she she's just like looking for outlets for her
3: frustration. Yeah. Right. Uh, she does get Gary's mom to babysit Leah for a while, and then she brings Leah back, and as you said, gives Amber some sheets for the crib, and just says, "Oh, Gary mentioned you don't have any." And then we see Amber like completely freeze and shut down, and she can't talk. She's like so mortified. She looks so ashamed, and then she just has to lie down and start crying, and she's like, Gary made me look like a bad mom. Why the fuck did he tell his mom that? <sighs> and, like, we see her trying to parent Leah, and she she can't. Like, she's just like, stop crying, stop yelling, you're driving me crazy, stop playing with that. Just really negative, negative talk towards the baby. Yeah
2: she screams why is she crying like that gary and gary responds like why are you yelling like that amber like there it's just it's dysfunctional and the show says a lot through the little clips the camera angles like they really you know they show the piles of laundry the trash that hasn't been taken out like leah teetering over a table with like sharp objects you know it's like yes yes they're, they're painting a picture through these little clips it's very intentional
3: uh yeah it, 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 like she's like I'm fed up with you Leah I'm done with you she puts the screaming baby in a crib which still doesn't have sheets on it and just walks away like just leaves her there and is like I'm done I'm done this was shocking shocking to see and then Gary- it's like postpartum depression raging absolutely um Gary comes home and he like picks up Leah and comforts her and is like Amber why didn't you put the sheets on that my mom brought over and she just goes off She's like, you're a fucking fat ass. Don't tell me what to do. Don't fucking talk to me like that in my house. This is all my shit. Like, and he's, she's getting in his face and he's like, don't touch me. If you touch me again, I'll call child protective services. And he's like, okay, I have to take Leah and I'm leaving. (sighs) And like, she's like, no. And he's like, you need to take your medication. She's like blacked out. Leah's just like in between them sobbing. It's so hard to watch. And he's like, I'm keeping her. And takes her, and then we see the domestic violence PSA on the screen.
2: Yeah, we see her strike him like multiple times. Then we get a PSA about domestic violence right into the banjo music that is in between all of the segments, where it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's like that's where they have bring in the like Juno Michael Sarah vibes. Like they can't. If, it's like, it, it's like even though it's so out of place, they needed that to kind of temper the show.
3: Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, and, and back in the day with these reality shows, we were seeing people physically assault each other all the time. Like, there was punches, slapping, all kinds of stuff in these shows, and it, it wasn't considered something you needed to blur or bleep or leave out or put, like, I'm even shocked they, I think they had to add these domestic PSAs after it originally aired. Like,
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think that these were at the time era. no like
3: it was just like we're showing what what happened and like it wasn't like a trigger warning type of culture at the time
2: no it was like a culture where honestly i don't even think this would have been fully labeled as domestic violence by a lot of people at the time like it would have been like well he's a big guy she's much smaller like you know yeah
3: yeah and the camera crew nobody reported it Nobody turned over the footage. No one tried to intervene. And they were taken to court for that later. And this was, like, used against Amber. And, you know, MTV had to cooperate. But, like, it just didn't set off any fucking alarm bells for anyone at the time that it was filmed.
2: No. No, it made me think, like, she's, like, throwing his shit on, you know, off the balcony. And that's the type of stuff that we would have, I'm saying we, like, the collective we of society would have laughed at at the time.
3: (sighs) Yeah, I mean... So we maybe see, maybe not our... in this
2: instance because it's just grim, but like, like a woman be like, fuck you, and
3: like throwing. Oh, yeah. Oh, a woman hitting a man was not like raising red flags at the time for many people. But um, yeah. we see her cool down from this first fight. She's talking to her friends. She's talking about her fears about losing Leah. And she's like, I know what I said and did was wrong. Like, and you can see like the shame. Like, she does, she's not lacking a empathy or a sense of right and wrong. Like, that's not her. Problem. She's not like a sociopath at all, but she's just so mentally yeah. unwell. And, her cup is empty. Yeah. And so then a few days later, Gary shows up without Leah, and that like already sets Amber off. So she's packing up his shit, throwing it out. He's calling a friend. He's like, can I come crash with you? Um, but then he goes in to talk to her, and he's like, if you want to visit with Leah, you can. And she's like, when? I have custody. And he's like, well, I guess not. And then she just starts punching him slapping him trying to throw his tv down the stairs punches him hard in the face calling him horrible names and is like watch your back and then kicks him in the back as he's walking down the stairs
2: and mtv is just airing all of this yeah like, and, and yeah. The, the target demographic for the show was 12 to 24 years old
3: mm-hmm yeah and and you know what I like it is shocking but it also is educational like I hate to say it but it it, in a way how would you know what domestic violence is if you didn't like sort of get exposed to it I I just don't think a lot of people know what is abuse and what is normal fights when does it cross the line especially if you grew up around a lot of name calling or worse like yeah
2: yeah
3: you might not know when it's when you should leave when it's inappropriate like it's just kind of
2: although the way that this was being treated at the time like it would you know now there would have been a million like think pieces and it would have been huge news like oh my god someone got someone was hit on a show like that's yeah you know, well it would have i know big big headlines but at the time like if we're seeing this stuff and society's like oh great wow bunch of crazy teens i think it's actually damaging
3: well this be. was right around the same time that that MTV had the man punch Snooky in the face um, on the show too, which was w- like even more shocking and scary. And um, and yeah, they aired that, and then they had to go back and take it out. And um, it just was, yeah, they just didn't know what what was up, what was down. MTV at the time.
2: was not playing music television;
3: they were <laughs> playing... <laughs> they were playing that's... domestic violence. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what was happening. So though after the fight we see Amber lie down in bed and just like close her eyes and like you could just like or I could just like I feel like through the screen that she like is just so deeply ashamed, she's numb, she's probably high. Like and her story is a huge reason why I decided not to be a parent ever actually.
2: Really? <laughs> like
3: yeah, like I like I said when you I,
2: turn out like Amber like, not yeah, in the sense of, yeah, I did. Yeah,
3: I did. Because like, I struggle with depression. And I wondered, would I have postpartum depression? Would I, would I have these uncontrollable emotions and rage like towards my kid towards my partner? I don't know. Like, I, I, I think I'm at risk. And like, I couldn't relate to Macy. Like, I admired her. But I'm like, I I'm not that person. Like, I'm not a perfect mom. I wouldn't be. I felt.
2: Yeah. My decision to not have kids was the thought that, like, I think I think I would be a pretty good mom, but I think that it would ruin me in the process.
3: Yeah, right. Like, and maybe I could, like, cosplay. Especially now. I could do it, and I would know what's appropriate and what's not, but would I be broken inside at the end of the day with nothing left?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty dysfunctional just on my own, so, yeah, I don't think... Uh, I'm not really qualified, but neither here nor there i mean look lots of people are not qualified um and then it happens and they step up to it or they decide to do it and think they can take it on it's not what they thought but they still shine it on like i i think you just basically have to step into whatever life throws at you if light if you told me that life would throw all the trauma that it did at me i'd be like no i can't handle that either but i did
3: i i know and there's that saying like that old saying, if you never know how strong a woman is, or a woman's like a teabag. You don't know how strong she is until you put her in hot water. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, but to see Amber essentially, not to be harsh, but fail like at, at, yeah. at, at the challenges that were given to her because she simply didn't have the tools and she she couldn't do it. I was like, oh, it is actually possible to fucking just fail at, well, at the going- biggest job of your life.
2: Well, and going back to that article that you referenced, which I will link in the show notes, they talk about how they are, like, representing these different archetypes, and like, Amber is the quote-unquote bad mother archetype from this Reagan-era fear-mongering.
3: Yeah, she's, she has all of the, the markers. I mean, she's lost, like, not to jump forward, but she's lost custody of both her children. Like, she is deemed by the state to be an unfit mother and that's obviously terrifying to to a lot of people yeah um i want to move on to farah who
2: wow what a what an arc we have been on a fucking journey with farah abraham when we meet her her car broke down and she said she was Basically, in order to pay for this car that's broken down, she's now really struggling with money, so she has to get this job at a diner, waitressing. Money really is an issue for her.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. her mom has a big house, two houses, actually. So she, But she, she's in the position of having maybe, act, like, her family has access to money, but her family is not stable and supportive.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to give it to her. Like They're not helping her out financially or emotionally.
3: Yeah, yeah, like, and at this time on the show, we see her as, like, kind of spoiled, but essentially, like, kind of just a sweet, troubled girl.
2: Well, I thought, and I thought when I watched at the time, that I thought her parents were really sweet, and I thought she was, like, mean to them. But now looking back.
3: She's a brat, but her mom put her through uh, emotional hell. Yeah. And she went through hell. I mean, just that were
2: meeting her when she doesn't have the father of Sophia because he, when she
3: was eight months pregnant, he died in a car accident. Yeah, that's that's just like straight ahead trauma. That's grief. That's being so young and coping with two extremely traumatic events at the same time at teen pregnancy and the death of your partner and baby's father. So you've lost yeah. your other parent, your co-parent, regardless of whether or not they were going to be together.
2: Yeah, and she meets up with Derek's relatives in order to get. Basically, she needs proof that he's the father um, in order to get social security benefits. Um, so she needs to meet up with his relatives. Um, so she meets up with his sister, and they're, they're while they're going to get this test, they're looking at photos of Derek, and he, him, and Sophia look exactly like each other. Yeah, like the spitting image. And yeah, it's, like, it's just like her and this other teenage girl just sitting there, both unable to process their emotions
3: obviously yeah and both teen moms themselves like a lot of the girls in the show are surrounded by other teen moms like it seems to be like a thing in the communities that they live in but yeah what what really is so f- frustrating about this storyline is that her the sister of of Derek, um had ghosted her before several times with other dna tests like his family was pretty hostile to farah And, like, very hot and cold about whether or not they were going to support her even trying to get social security benefits. And I'm like, like, doesn't she have enough to fucking deal with? Like, it's nice to see that they kind of came to a truce for this scene. But, like, if that was, like, if that was me, like, I would be so stepping in to help. Well, and
2: and who knows if they were just being nice for the cameras so that they wouldn't come off as total villains.
3: yeah. Yeah like they're like trying to be like how can we like make sure that the money goes to Sophia only and stuff like that and it's just like just let this widowed mother access some extra money like she's got a broken down car she's fucking 17 years old like fuck off.
2: Yeah seriously I know no it's 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 wild. Do you have anything else to say about Farah before we move on to the
3: Um well just that like at least Farah has like childcare with her parents. She may hate her parents and she hates her dad so bad she calls him Michael. <laughs> um yeah. but she can trust them to watch her child when she's waitressing. Regardless of whether your parents are kind to you, the free childcare I'm seeing it's like a make or break thing for, for a lot of these these girls, like childcare, is is really everything. Like, can you yeah. can you do anything for yourself? Do you have a community you can rely on? And it's it's hard to see when they don't. So at this time, she has her mom, and that's at least something. Even though her mom like won't let her grieve, Derek won't yeah. listen to her cry, won't acknowledge that what she went through was hard.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. Deborah comes off as sweet in the beginning, at least she did to me, but. <laughs> With time, I realized that she was uh, she she was the true villain.
3: Yeah, yeah. She she would love to like incite Farrah's rage and then blame Farrah for her reaction and stuff. Yeah, she's just like always doing manipulative stuff. Like she's like, I don't want you in contact with Derek's family at all. It's just gonna make you sad. Oh, he wasn't that great of a boyfriend. Come on, you don't miss him that much. Like, it. Deborah is unhinged.
2: Yeah deborah's unhinged speaking of unhinged this is just a little addendum to the whole show which is i i forgot that the reunions were hosted by our our (laughs) arch nemesis fucking dr drew i know if you want to know why he's evil we have a we have a whole patreon episode about why he's like the worst person he's the worst fake tv doctor of all of them and i'm including (laughs) dr oz in this (laughs)
3: damn I yeah. would maybe say I hate Dr. Phil more.
2: Yeah, I guess, you know what? Dr. Drew and Dr. Phil are on par for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Drew's going to hear this because he's very involved in the podcast world. He has, like, I think 12 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Drew, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> okay, I want to talk, where are they now? I just want to say, like, each of these gals the where are they now of them could be its own show like there's a lot that's happening so we're not going to be able to recap all of it we will get into the highlights um or lowlights yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yes the most salient points
3: why don't we start with macy
2: okay on the show she got married she's still with her husband taylor and they have two children together jaded maverick they also have a fashion line called ttm lifestyle that looks blue lives matter adjacent um, <laughs> it's a little you can go on ttm lifestyle website but it's like camo red white and blue and in red over the shirt says things that matter there's like altered american flags yeah anyway that's their clothing brand ever since 2013 um still going strong macy appeared on naked and afraid <laughs> fun fact she branched out and at least publicly she is still gushing over her husband in an interview from just a couple of months ago she said i like him every day of course i love him every day but sometimes you're annoying but no one else can call him annoying except me haha <laughs> like she you know she They seem, they seem decent together now, that's great, because Ryan is not doing well. Do you want to speak to, speak yeah, to
3: that? Um, huge, huge trigger warning. Maybe just skip forward a minute or two if you if you don't feel like hearing about domestic violence today, but, well, you already probably did, but, um, so Ryan, yeah. uh, Ryan's had many girlfriends since Macy, but he ended up marrying a woman named Mackenzie and having two more kids with her mackenzie we see her on the show she was kind of like pretty horrible to macy and was enabling to ryan even when he was filmed passing out behind the wheel uh from a heroin overdose driving driving to, to his wedding wedding
2: oh my god yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: um i can't
2: believe they aired that that is one of the most shocking things to be on like daytime teen teen oriented tv
3: yeah, totally. And she would cover for him by like cutting the cameras and stuff like that. But however, she certainly did not deserve what has happened to her um once their marriage got to be on the rocks. This was all very recent news. So, he posted a partially nude photo of her online and said she's a spineless cheating slut and a c- this is the mother of his children. Um he then beat her up and said he was going to kill her while their children watched. And then when she tried to flee the scene, he smashed her phone and took her car keys of course she was granted a restraining order for after this incident um during which he continued to stalk her uh violated the restraining order broke into their home and completely destroyed the home where their children live he shattered all the windows wait was anyone
2: home all this happened
3: uh i don't believe so um tipped over the fridge smashed the interior doors graffitied everywhere stabbed holes in the wall dumped her clothes on the lawn and left a loaded ak-47 on the counter. Uh, he is now in court-ordered rehab, and the show is still filming him. So, wow. yeah. Uh, he's completely unrecognizable. He's been arrested so many times for just wildly running in the streets with, like, tons of crack and heroin on his body. Like, p- he's been arrested for possession multiple times, for stalking multiple Like, he is completely fucked. But, But heroin and crack doesn't make you do this shit like no 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 no
2: this is my thing in 2023 this is the energy i'm bringing is that you know what we're all struggling with mental health issues so your people's mental health issues don't excuse them being a shitty awful person to other people
3: like he he was always a piece of shit but i thought he was just like the classic run-of-the-mill lazy deadbeat dad kind of piece of shit not like plotting he's like plotting he, he went there with graffiti like he's like with so... or sorry he went there with spray cans yeah yeah oh i know and they and they found out it was him because they found him covered in spray paint and white paint at his house like or oh, at some figure you know figure. den or wherever he was at but yeah he, i'm he's... sure they
2: could have figured it out either way uh, like, of course
3: yeah. but like you know he's he's yeah. stupid and violent and just like
2: yeah he's like a cartoon thug yeah yeah um, well, I'm glad Macy's doing well, and I'm glad that she's just happy in her marriage and she's creating a safe and happy home for
3: her three kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For I mean, a long from... time, she was oh. just co-parenting with Ryan's parents because, like, with Bentley. And then now it seems like she has, like, primary custody of Bentley um, and doesn't really have to share him as much with with Ryan's family, which is great because that's where he's safest and wants to be, it seems.
2: Oh, Yeah. Should we move on to Amber?
3: Yeah, why don't we put both the dark, <laughs> the dark ones sandwiched? <laughs> um, so, Amber has had a lot of um, struggles. Uh, she lost custody of um, Leah in 2011. She did face charges for hitting Gary. Um, by 2018, she had had another baby with a guy named Andrew. Um, she was arrested in 2019 and sent to jail for hitting him while he had their baby in their arms. And she lost her custody of her son, James, uh, just in July, 2022, as a result of that's just how long these things take. That same year, uh, last year, she wrote a memoir called, So You're Crazy Too. And in it, she shed some light on how her life was so difficult. Like she's diagnosed with bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder and cptsd so she also said she tried oxycontin at age nine um and her addiction never really stopped she attempted suicide at 11 and joined a gang at 15 uh she's had a tragic life her sister died when she was young and she says that she's she's i believe she is sober now um like she's had a very rough road lots of prison like time in and out of jail in and out of rehab and i believe she is sober now um and i honestly think this her losing custody this year was really extra tragic because the judge used the content of this book um against her and as reason to why she, why her child wouldn't be safe with her um It's a really complex situation. I don't know her. I don't know if she actually can provide a safe home for a child. But yeah, I just know that she's really heartbroken right now over losing custody and even really visitation. I don't believe she has any visitation in person. I mean, if
2: you have any like common sense or guidance, which like I don't, you know, I don't falter for not having any guidance. But like if you are in a custody situation, like you don't want any of that information public. That being said, her whole a lot of her life is public and on tv so she i'm sure she wasn't thinking like okay this book is gonna be this hot ticket well she
3: looks at the book as being like this is my past like this is not my present this is not who i am now um knowing how volatile she is i don't know if you know i don't know
2: yeah if she's conquered all her demons i wonder what I, i wonder if we're gonna hear from these kids when they're older I know. Just wondering if we're going to hear publicly from From any of them. Yes. Definitely. Almost certainly Sophia, because she has a massive platform on Instagram and TikTok. That's Farrah's daughter. Um, And actually, that's who I'm going to talk about next. So Farrah has probably the most infamous path and like the most public and well-known and publicly messy past of any of them she just had a rough go her storyline in the beginning was like her grieving the loss of sophia's father and then it turned into like you know on her way out of the show she ended up like getting into a screaming match with the producer this guy named larry calling him like a dumb twisted motherfucker like saying he only got his career because her daughter's dad died like she's saying this on camera and then she made um she made a sex tape um well she made porn it was like to be sold and then ended up suing the company uh the the parent company of mtv viacom for five million dollars for being fired for making porn and the lawsuit was settled out of court (sighs) if this had happened just a couple years later she would have just quietly done an OnlyFans, and it would have been no big deal because that's what that type of public figure does now no one cares like larsa pippen has an only fans everyone's like oh whatever it's just this like no big deal not a no big deal because there are obviously ramifications in people's lives what i'm talking about for like you know what i'm talking about this segment yeah. of the population it's just no big deal but for farrah's time of reality star it was like her octomom like people that were like making these sex tapes like these paid tapes out of like desperation but then were like absolutely skewered for them and i don't think even made that much money
3: off of them i know yeah she was ahead of her time in that um but her ego just got completely out of control she lost her mind really i would say she's a crazy person now
2: um yeah and oh there's more to where she's been since then um she got arrested for an alleged altercation with an employee of the beverly hills hotel She's had a lot of interesting career moves. Um the, in 2019 she took this role that actually I'm like this sounds amazing. Um she became Penhouse Magazine's book critic. They said they hired the reality star to get her take on feminist classics and see how they could connect it to the average American woman. And I was like, <laughs> are you guys still hiring because I, I I'm down that sounds great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I don't actually know too much about what penthouse does around here but now the current modern Playboy is subversive feminist E. Like that's the angle they're taking. So if Penthouse has fallen in their tracks, hey, I'm I'm available for hire. She posted on LinkedIn that she <laughs> was going to Harvard <laughs> University. <laughs> and like she was called out for it and she just doubled down. Um <laughs> she she made this claim like multiple times and page six asked her for commentary and asked why she decided to post that to the platform um she not only posted that was reposting news stories that were reporting on it and her response to page six was because i pay to go there um that is undetermined (laughs) um she is a prolific published author she has written four books (laughs) um three are a erotic fiction trilogy And one is a memoir like slash advice book that got on the New York Times bestseller list. At one point, she got in trouble because her erotic novel, one of her erotic novels called Celebrity Sex Tape in the making, um, was being sold on Amazon for $1,000. I don't know. I'm thinking a lot about the New York Times bestseller list these days as I am weeks away from my book coming out. And hey, you never know. You never know. Maybe I'll make it.
3: Maybe. Absolutely. Shoot for the
2: stars. Follow in the footsteps of Fair Abraham and many other such authors.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Side note it's just stressful because to be on the New York Times bestseller list, it is only dependent on the pre orders and the first week sales. That's it. Right. So I was like, damn. All right. Anyhow, (laughs) just really thinking I'm like also though when I'm going through my imposter syndrome I'm like if Sarah Abraham can write four books I too I can put out a book of journal prompts oh yeah yeah um and her she went to like an emotional rehab like or like a trauma rehab or something um and then came out of it and her announcement was comedy tour soon so she said that she healed her trauma and discovered her love of stand-up comedy uh mm, tbd uh, I have to report on Sophia. Her Instagram bio says born on MTV. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and she t- defends her mom a lot on social media. And she has a massive social media following. I am concerned for Sophia, but hey, what can you do? Deborah, S- <laughs> Farah's mom, had an even more interesting career arc than Farrah. Si- she simultaneously launched an OnlyFans and a rap career.
3: Deb's on OF. Yeah, and a
2: re- released a rap music video. Well, I, I, I mean, I it. know
3: about and I've watched, of course, many times her rap videos. And I love
2: them. white uh, and... women
3: rap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't it know sounds like them. a threat when she says that.
2: "women rap." Um, yeah, she has an O.F. and a rap career, um, and she also is an author. And her book is called "Vapor: A True Story of How I Fell Victim to Catfishing" by Kathy <laughs> Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she lost all her money from a
3: catfish
2: who was oh, like, no, who was That's like a scammer babe. That's just a scammer.
3: <laughs> well no she, what do you mean she was catfished like this this was like um
1: oh, uh, like, they made you like a, a,
3: a husky lesbian said she was like a male model and was in love with Deb and was like, you know, it was one of those long like long term like oh my family needs a little bit of money. can you say like a, a whole scam a classic catfish. <laughs> okay
2: well she and you know what she spun it into gold because she wrote a book about it
3: and yeah i mean i think she lost like over a hundred thousand dollars from that oh wow okay she was catfished as hard as anyone's ever been catfished
2: yeah well once yeah once the savings are down to zero like you've been fully catfished like they've yeah they've they've done fished yeah 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 oh my god all these like these like sad tv moms getting
3: catfished also mary from sister wives got catfished totally i mean like it's it's an easy target you can like see someone that seems like kind of lonely like you can spot them from a mile away
2: i know i wonder if rates of catfishing will go down <laughs> with well the younger generation. a lot of
3: the teen mom cast has been targeted by scammers like i didn't mention it but like amber had one of her boyfriends exposed as having, like, been this teen mom super fan and had, like, tried to get with Janelle and tried to get with Farah. Oh, no, Matt. No. So, yeah, Matt. Oh, wait. I think it was Matt. Matt Bayer, Bayer, Something like that.
2: Yes. Yes. And then wasn't he, like, a pedophile, too?
3: Yeah. Then it gets exposed that he has, like, child porn charges or something. Like, being on TV like this, but also being, like, vulnerable and, like, you're, you're on TV because of how, like, fucked up you are basically like makes you such a target for crazies to come for you
2: yeah yeah and like they know they're like preying on them too they know they're not sorry but like all the
3: sharpest tools in the shed yeah you know. and, and Amber is like you know, she desperately wants love. She's such, like, her reputation is so damaged. She's going to, like, cling on to, like, anyone who seems to offer, like, unconditional love and support. And she's an easy target. And same with people like Debs. Same with someone like Farrah. Like, and the girls on Sister Wives. And, like, many, many other real- it The people on Honey Boo Boo. Like, yeah. they all got involved with, Mama June was involved with a, with a pedophile scammer who got her hooked on. All kinds of drugs, too. Like, just bad, bad people coming for them. Um,
2: yeah. I'm, like, thinking about, like, closing thoughts here, and it's just, it's hard to even
3: wrap my head around this journey we've been on. Ooh. This This show was, like, the kind of, like, underbelly of America journalism that I, like, really craved and wanted and loved. And this is what most of America is like. Like, these poor rural towns like and when we say america like i mean
2: north america rural canada is not so different
3: no it's not so different it's it's a window like of course our cultures are are very mirrored i was raised on from before this the hills and that whole like hollywood image and then i was like holy fuck and then shows like 90 day fiance started coming out where i was like oh my god people in these shows come from those
2: environments
3: yeah and then we see it play out in this like weird cartoony yeah. little mtv show totally it's bizarro world it's fucking trauma porn but it's educational it's journalistic excellence <laughs> like it's <everything. laughs> yeah
2: but yeah slap like slap a different filter over the screen and a different soundtrack and this is just intervention but yep. like with babies
3: yeah well you know what that we have seen a lot of growth and a lot of improvement from a lot of them and like i like hats off to all the hard work that amber caitlin tyler have done but pray for Farah. like i hope she's well i i root for their success i get i feel so happy when i see the people from the show doing well and yeah i just hope that for them
2: we're rooting for them and we're rooting for the next generation like their kids yes
3: yeah their Uh kids seem to have turned out okay like leah seems great gary stepped up to be a good dad to her and bentley seems great and um what sophia i know she's struggling with her mental health but hopefully she'll be okay bless them i mean that
2: and bless all of you guys listening love you guys we'll see you next week Bye. bye This podcast is produced by me, Emily Rose, hosted by the Sonar Network and edited by Solomon Krauss-Emla. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a five-star review. See you next week. Au revoir, mes amours.
0: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe.